called Shine. If you've actually been reading along with the passages this week that uh, Kathy Baker helped prepare, they were all about the light. So uh, of all the things I think that I go through my mind in watching that video uh, several times and, and um, actually having that kind of song on my heart a lot lately, uh, I think the thing that most strikes me, uh, the message that comes through most clearly at the heart of it is this question, can you overcome a heart that's overcome? God, can you overcome a heart that's overcome? Here are the lyrics of the song, right? that, that first, that chorus. Next one. Shine your light so I can see you. Pull me up. I need to be near you. Hold me. I need to feel your love. Can you overcome this heart that's overcome? Can we believe God's promise when things are dark and it's hard and we're at the darkest time of the year and even through the holidays when we have so much joy and we have so much anticipation going into the new year, there's hard stuff going on for folks. Can we believe that God's light will shine? Listen to this one line from the psalm we'll be looking at today. Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. When we're broken, when we are overcome, when we are overwhelmed, God will not turn us away. God will come with hope. And for whatever reason, as God was helping me kind of prepare for this week, that was the thing that most came to my to my heart to share with you, to be challenged by from Psalm 51, is that God wants to lead us forward in hope. And, and I started with this question, are you ready for something new? But I think God would have us ask an even better question together today. Let's pray together, please. <clears throat> Lord, we are ready for you to do something in our lives. And we want to give you permission to do it. To renew, to rebuild, to restore this relationship of trust on a daily way, Lord. So that we can know that your promises are true and that you want to shine. The miracle of Christmas is that the wonder of the greatest love has come in Jesus. And not just come 2,000 years ago, but comes to us each day. Inviting us each day to trust that love. And experience that love in such a way that we know that you are with us and for us. Wherever we're at on our journey today, Lord, meet us in our heart. Encourage us to take one step forward at a time, trusting you. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 9 o'clock, Friday night. 9 o'clock, Friday night. We're screaming our heads off. Happy New Year at my house. My kids are jumping up and down. Happy New Year. 9 o'clock Friday night. It was so much fun because we found out that if you go to CNN, you can watch the East Coast feed, East Coast feed and the ball drop and then put them to bed. <laughs> almost. We almost got them to bed. But it's kind of cool to not have to. I mean, we were all in bed before it was even the New Year. But, you know, there's lots of excitement. There's lots to get excited about and get joyful for with the passing of the new year. And maybe you've been kind of swept up in that. But for me, I've just been kind of bombarded by all the new of the new year. Help, help me with the list. When you think about New Year's, when it comes, what are the new things that you just get smacked in the face with? Help me. New Year's means what? New things. What? Calendar. New calendar. New Year's resolutions. I hate those things. New things. <laughs> new bills. Writing the checks for Christmas. That's right. New checks. 
new tax year, new gym membership, new workout, new diet, new spiritual discipline, new sense of guilt with getting all these Christmas cards from people you haven't kept in contact with. Are you with me? Right? New commitments to not smoke as much or not smoke at all or quit biting your nails or stop using stupid jokes in your sermons. Yes, Katie? A new year to plan. No, oh my gosh, that's true. All these new things, and sometimes it's exciting, but if you're anything like me, it's January 2nd, and I'm exhausted. Anybody relate to that? Okay, this is for the three of us. Thank you. All right? It's a new year, and I'm exhausted by so much newness. But please don't get me wrong. Obviously, Scripture is full of the new. It's full of the new. Paul writes that with Christ in us, that the old is past, the new has come. We're a new creation. Jesus says, I'm making all things new. We read about scripture, about God giving us a new heart. That God gives us a new song. New is good. New is God's idea. But our culture, my friends, our culture focuses on new things. Our culture focuses on new things. And there's a danger when you and I see our faith as a thing. There is a danger when you and I see our faith as a thing. When the fact is, it's a relationship with a person named Jesus. Right? It's a relationship with a person named Jesus. Because if it's a thing, I can't tell you how frustrated I was watching a football game. I discovered that the thing that can give me joy is a new BMW. See that commercial? <gasps> That's all I needed for joy was a Beamer? What? That's what the world says. Is that the new thing will fulfill you. But if we approach our faith that way, then it will depreciate as we take it off the lot. We will lose value in it, and we'll be looking for whatever next new thing it is to revive our faith. Maybe it's a new book, a new spiritual discipline, a new retreat, a new spiritual experience. Maybe it's a new church. New, new, new things. My friends, our faith is not a thing. It's a relationship. That, that approach is even filtering into our other relationships in the world. Two weeks ago, I'm on Facebook and saw a friend change his status from married to single. Because his relationship was that easy to change because it's a thing. And he had like four people give him the thumbs up that they liked it. And posting how great it was that he had this new thing in his life. My gosh, our relationships are being destroyed by a culture that sees it as things. So this morning, God's placed on my heart a challenge to look at not just the new, not to focus on the new, but this word instead renewed the word renewed I think it's more of a relational word we're to renew our friendships we're to renew our marriages I'm not going to trade my wife in for a newer model she's not a beamer and we're called to care for to tend to our relationship with God that's God's greatest desire for us to do is to tend to that relationship so Psalm 51 today is going to lead us in this way. And then I, just a couple moments, my brother Dan is going to come up and share his testimony. So um, I might encourage you, if you want, and you got a pencil and you want to open your bulletin, I'm going to ask you to rewrite some lines from Psalm 51 for yourself. You can maybe do it in your head. You can maybe write it down. I'd encourage you to take that challenge. But let's look at the, the, the whole psalm, or most of the psalm first, and then we'll come back. It'll be up on the screen. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. 
Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. It's amazing to look at these words. Actually, one writer said, it's a piling up of synonyms about the goodness of God as David goes to confess his brokenness. If you know anything about Psalm 51, the context is, is he's just made the biggest blunder of his life. The guy whose heart was a man after God's own heart. David is a man after God's own heart. He just botched it. He slept with Bathsheba. He killed Bathsheba's husband. He lied about it all. And then Nathan the prophet said, Dude, you are the man who blew this. But David turned to God and leaned on these synonyms that God is a God of mercy, unfailing love, great compassion. He, he sought to renew his relationship. We'll go on. Verse 6. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. Teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Cleanse me there actually means unsin me. Make me so I'm not sinful anymore. And this past Thursday, I was actually up on the mountain. Maybe we forget how white snow is when it's just brand new. Look at that passage. I will be whiter than snow. I don't know anything that's whiter than that. But that's the promise of God as David goes to him for confession. Verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. There are five prayers for a new, renewed relationship in this part of the passage. And again, if you want to take, there's a blank part of your bulletin there. If you want to take this out, I'm going to give you a couple moments just to think about how would you rewrite these lines in your own words right now? The first one, create in me a pure heart, O God. Reflect on that. Jot something down. How would you write it? What strikes me about this passage is that God is the one doing the making. I'm so tired of exercising all my energy thinking i got to make things right. God is the one that's creating. God is the one who's doing the making. God is the one who's doing a fresh start, the new thing. That's God's deal. Maybe that's a prayer you need to be praying. Create in me a pure heart, O oh God. Do that new creation. Prayer number two. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. I'll give you a moment if you want to think how you'd say that as a prayer to God. There's that relational word, renew. A right relationship, a right spirit. To make it good between you and me, God. Renew it. Renew it. Because it's what I most need. Prayer number three. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. How would you rewrite that line, that, that prayer?
Those two lines are, are two sides of the same coin, aren't they? It's, don't bail on me, God. Don't leave me alone. Either don't kick me out or don't bail on me. I need you to be with me. Do not leave me alone. Prayer number four. Restore to me the joy of that BMW. I'm sorry. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Go ahead and write that prayer for yourself. You know, that word looks a lot like renew. Restore, renew. Bring it up again. The joy, my joy joy tank has been drained. I know that you're the one who restores it, God. And restore the joy in my heart, not of the things in my life, not that my circumstances are all working out in the way I wish, but that I am saved, I am cherished, I am loved. You have my life in your hands. I am saved. My salvation is sure. Restore that joy to my heart. And the fifth prayer, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Go ahead and write your own prayer there online. Gosh, when my joy tank goes down and I need strengthened, sustained, I just need to have a willing spirit to go quickly to God. See how relational all of these words are? All these prayers are. I I need a a pure heart, a clean heart, God. Renew that spirit within me. Don't chuck me away and don't bail on me. Restore the joy of your salvation and sustain me. Sustain me as I have a willing spirit to be quick to come to you. My friends, the question most of my heart here on January 2nd is not, are you ready for a new thing? It's, are you ready for a renewed thing? And I am. I am. And I want to look at this prayer and look at the rewrite of this prayer in my own words and pray it daily. I would encourage you to do that as well. Pray it daily that it would be true for you, a renewed relationship. That the love of God would be more real to you today and then renewed again tomorrow and renewed again the day after. A dear brother of mine, we've been sharing some time lately. Some of it was in the hospital, not very much fun. But uh, some of you might know that uh, Dan Agee uh, had a bit of a health scare last month. And uh, as we were talking after that, he shared um, with me about an experience of what God's been doing. So I've asked Dan to come up and share his testimony. He'll give you maybe a little update on his health status and then about his experience of God and what God's teaching him about being renewed. By the way, I love you. Good morning. It's great to be seen. Let me steal your desk, man. Good. I want to share a verse from James to begin. James chapter 4, verse 14. What is your life but a vapor? It appears for a little while. And then it's gone. It appears for a little while, and then it's gone. I did have a health issue recently, um, just about a month ago. I knew I wasn't feeling well, 
I knew I wasn't breathing well. Uh, in the past, last March, I had an issue and was hospitalized. You can hear I'm struggling for breath. Uh, December 2nd. I talked to my doctor's office the day before saying, uh, something's going on. Uh, if I get infection in my bronchial passages, uh, the airways close off. Um, the next day, and around midnight, I was up. Around midnight, I thought, this isn't good. At one o'clock, I, I thought to myself, this is very not good. I was unable to even pick up a phone and dial 911. I was pretty bad off. At about three, I managed to make that happen. Uh, the EMTs showed up about five minutes. They're, they're pretty much Johnny on the spot. Um, I told them I don't have insurance, so take me to the VA hospital. They said, okay. They stuck this mask on me, which I hated. I fought it. Uh, I, I am really struggling for breath at this time. Anyway, they put me in the ambulance, and on the way, I, I heard him on the radio. He won't make it. So they took me to Adventist Hospital, which is much closer. I remember, I remember getting in their garage because it was a, it was very bright. That's the last thing I remember for four days. Uh, I was intubated and put on a respirator. Um, I had virtually uh, almost total respiratory failure. So I was being kept alive artificially. On the way to the hospital, and earlier that night, it never occurred to me that, gee, I might be dying. It just, it didn't occur to me for whatever reason. I just said, I, I thought, well, hurry up, get me to the hospital, give me some of your magic stuff and fix me. Uh, I'll come home in a day or two and, uh, uh, and dwell on this like, gee, maybe I should stop smoking. Um, I woke up. Actually, on the fifth day, I was, on, I was uh, intubated four days and on the respirator four days. On the fifth day, uh, I regained consciousness, and I was in the VA hospital. I had been transferred. I remained there another uh, two days, and they released me on the eighth day. Uh, when I got home, I was sitting by myself. And I had an experience. Um, I got very, it was very still. I got very warm, warm and fuzzy. And I was told there was a, a, a presence. And I was told, I love you more than you will ever know. I didn't hear a voice. I was just told that, and, and I felt it. Thank goodness it wasn't very long, because I, I couldn't bear it. But I was told, I love you more than you will ever know. And I understood then that I was also alive by God's grace and mercy. And I believe in answer to prayers from you and from another fellowship I'm in. 
this was a very strong and powerful event feeling. It was very real. And I heard myself respond, not from my mind, it, it was from my soul, my spirit said, why? Why do you love me so much? And he just made it known to me because I am. I am love. Um, I'm on borrowed time. I know that. And so the, 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 there's a new paradigm. I, I, I had known for, for several months that my life was going to change. I, I'm older. I'm, I'm not working anymore. Uh, I can't do many of the things that I used to do. Um, I spoke with a dear friend and pastor a month or two ago, and uh, he, he pointed out to me, well, perhaps you're in a new season. Uh, Ecclesiastes says that for... Uh, for every purpose under heaven, there is a time and a purpose and a season. I'm on borrowed time. So what's that mean? It means I have a, a decision to make. I can choose to do whatever uh, I want to, choose, uh, to do. Um, but I believe I should make the right decision. Um, before the, the Hebrews, as they were called then, entered the promised land, they had been taken out of Egypt in bondage where they'd been 430 years. Uh, they wandered around the desert for 40 years complaining and crying and, uh, and bickering. Uh, some wonderful things happened there. The tabernacle, uh, which uh, they, they had the, the tablets. Uh, anyway... Moses had to die before he, they, they entered the Holy Land and Joshua uh, was their new leader. And before they crossed over the Jordan into the Promised Land, Joshua addressed the people and he said, Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose you this day, today, make a decision. Who are you going to serve? Um, I do belong to another fellowship. I'm a recovering alcoholic. And our book is from the scriptures, and it's kind of kind of boiled down and condensed. Uh, sometimes we, we call it uh, spiritual kindergarten. Uh, Irma Bombeck uh, years ago wrote a book, Everything I Knew, I Know, I Learned in Kindergarten. Uh, hold hands when you cross the street, don't hit, share, pretty basic stuff. This is pretty basic stuff for us. Um, we're so full of self-will uh, that we need to be drawn a picture on how to live spiritually. Um, it's called a 12-step program. Most of you know that. Our third step is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand Him. There's a prayer associated with that. We are now at step three. Many of us said to our Maker as we understood Him, God, I offer myself to you to build with me, to do with me as you will. 
Relieve me at the bondage of self, that I may better do your will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, thy way of life. May I do your will always. We have a choice. Um, our will or God's will. And we have that choice every day. Our will, my will, or God's will. My will didn't work out very good. Another way to put it, I think, is that we have a choice of God or not God. God, not God. Wow. So, having made that decision, what does God require of me? What is his will? What does he want? I'm using your desk. One of my favorite passages, um, almost everything I share from the scriptures I refer to as my favorite passage. Uh, this is one of my favorite passages. It's from Micah. Chapter 6. Is Kathy smiling? He has showed you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The message translation puts it this way, it's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Um, in a recent meeting, uh, a friend shared that humility is to know your proper place before God. Know your proper place before God. Uh, I went through an experience that was quite humbling. I've always had quite an ego. I've never been real shy. And my will has gotten me into a lot of trouble. I was saved uh, by God's mercy. And there is something new. Um, Several people have told you have have told me that uh, he has a per there's a reason he wants you to do something. I'm not sure what this is yet, but in Micah, I'm I'm given a pretty darn good uh, guideline outline. Chris is talking about Psalm 51. That's my favorite part of Scripture. <laughs> In, in the message translation by Eugene Peterson, he puts a slight twist on it. I look at the message often just, just to look at it from a different angle. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Genesis, that's a, that's a beginning, a new beginning, a new start. When it's, in the other version, it says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Peterson says, don't throw me out with the trash or fail to breathe holiness in me. Bring me back from gray exile. 
put fresh wind in my sails and in my lungs, I hope. Give me a job teaching rebels your ways. I'm supposed to do that. Commute my death sentence. He did. Unbutton my lips, dear God, and I'll let loose with your praise. Going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless, perfect performance is unimpressive to you. I learned God worship. I learned humility, my place before God when my pride was shattered. And I did not escape God's notice. My new, my new attitude, a new, uh, a new paradigm in my life. Uh, I also heard in a meeting once, and it's more meaningful to me now. My life is none of my business. It's God's. Don't know why I was asked to share that with you, but it kind of seems pertinent. Um, I had a realization the other day. I was visited. And when I was meeting with Chris last Friday, it dawned on me. I had told a few people that, yeah, the Holy Spirit came and visited me. I had a realization who it really was. And it was our Lord. He loves us more than we'll ever understand. Amen. Other first, Sharon. We'll close with these words from uh, Brennan Manning about this love that is to be renewed. The Lord is now calling me a second time, affirming me, enabling me, encouraging me, challenging me all the way into the faith, hope, and love, the fullness of it in the power of His Holy Spirit. Ignorant, weak, sinful man that I am, with easy rationalizations for my sinful behavior, I'm being told anew in the unmistakable language of love, I am with you, I am for you, 